You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 232. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 232. You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Hello, pod people. Amy Smith in the house, and I am so excited to connect with all of you guys today. You may notice that there is somebody missing today. Mr. Smith is giving, well, I guess I should say I'm giving him a little bit of a week off so that I can hang out with my very best friend in the world, Andrea Owen, who's joining me on the podcast today. Hey, thank you for being here. Of course, I'm so glad to be here. And I hope that people aren't too pissed off that Mr. Smith isn't here. I know how loved he is over there. He's got he's got a pretty big fan base. As you should. <laughs> but I'm really excited because you and I are finally in the same state. We're only a, an hour and a half away from each other at the moment. Instead of uh, on two different coasts. Which I was thinking about this. We... We lived in about the same approximation to each other, about an hour and a half, two hours away, when we very, very first met, which would have mm-hmm. been like eight years ago. How old is Sydney? More Sid- than that, because I was pregnant with Sydney, and she turned eight. So it was about, yeah, it was about eight and a half years ago. You're right, actually. But a majority of our friendship has been long distance. The majority, yes, that's correct. Which so we is- became really good friends when I moved from Southern California to Utah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I'm from Utah to North Carolina three and a half years ago. Yes. And, and now I'm I here. Did you? <laughs> and there's like seasons and shit out here. So it's it we're having a blast. And um I am so thrilled to have you. I'm thrilled to be close to you geographically and emotionally. And <laughs> my favorite. If anybody isn't familiar with Andrea, let me just do a quick little snippet about what you're up to and why the hell I have a guest because I never have guests unless I want to because it's my fucking show. (laughs) No nonsense show. But I love – I tell people all the time like, uh, my model doesn't support guests uh, unless I decide that I want to change that. And I did. For today. So let me tell you about Andrea. She's an author, mentor, and certified life coach. She helps high achieving women let go of perfectionism, control, and isolation and choose courage and confidence instead. She's helped thousands of women manage their inner critic to create loving connections and live their most kick ass life. You might be familiar with her very first book, which was 52 Ways to Live a Kick Ass Life BS Free Wisdom to Ignite Your Inner Badass and Love the Life You Deserve. And The reason why we are here today is because her second book is about to be released in January, January 2nd, and it's called How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, 14 Habits That Are Holding You Back from Happiness. So I wanted you to come on the show to talk about that. Like, how the hell do we stop feeling like shit? (laughs) I'm, I'm pretty sure 
you work with the same sort of challenge that people bring to us saying like, my my husband does this, or I hate my job, or I'm too fat. And we, we think we're not happy for all these other reasons and that are external. And I'm assuming that you would agree that m- most of it has to do with untangling that inner shit in order to create happiness. Yes. Yeah. And what you're speaking to completely valid and definitely topics that our clients bring to us. But what I'm talking about more specifically in the book and and where it was born is because, I mean, as you know, I went in 2014 to get certified in the Daring Way, which is a methodology created by the work of Dr. Brene Brown. And those for those of you that don't know her, she is a researcher and an author who has dedicated her professional life to studying topics like shame and vulnerability and courage and authenticity. And so one of, in part of that program is what Brene calls the armor. So it's these behaviors that we do that we think are protecting us. So that's like perfectionism. And I know you talk a lot about people pleasing and approval seeking. It's things like uh, numbing out and isolating and hiding out. These are all things that at the end of the day, my clients all struggle with to varying degrees, depending on the behavior. And Brene talks about a handful of them. And what I saw as I was facilitating that work, and as I was talking to more and more clients and people in my classes, and just people in general, that there were a bunch more (laughs) behaviors. And I came up with 14 of them. And I'm like, this is all of them. And, and I don't want people to think, oh my God, I'm doing life wrong. Cause I think that happens in self-help, you know, like we hear things and, and you can almost feel worse about yourself. Cause you're like, oh, I'm so fucked up. Like I have all these issues. And the thing is, is, and I write about this in the introduction. This isn't about, this isn't a book like, here's all the ways you're totally screwing up now, fix it. This is about normalizing these behaviors. I, I still do that. I tell a few stories in there about how I still fall back on some of these behaviors what I want the win to be for people, honestly, is that they know that they're doing them very quickly so that they know what their triggers are. They know what really makes them fall into those behaviors so that they can get out in front of it quickly and choose something else. That's what it's all about. That's right. I mean, I know that you and I, when we teach together, and I say this all the time, that awareness is the win, right? Yes. And there's an amazing, do you remember from the 80s, G.I. Joe? I used to watch G.I. Joe, the cartoon. And it would, yeah. it would always be like, Knowing is half the battle. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. That is, that is so true. It's like you. I didn't know that was a quote from G.I. Joe. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. So that's a little bit of what's to come on our episode today. We're going to talk all about these habits that some of us have really unknowingly cultivated, what we can do about it, why it's even important for women right now in our culture and in our climate to pay attention to some of these habits. But as you guys know, we like to kind of warm up the mics a little bit. So we're going to start with a little segment we like to call. Would you rather? Perfect. So Andrea is actually going to do our (laughs) would you rather segment today. Which Total for the sake of total transparency, you asked me to get this together a couple of days ago and I completely dropped the ball. And then I was like, oh shit. So I just thought of one. And <laughs> it is Would you rather have an orgasm every time you meet someone and, and shake their hand, you know, like Ooh. the handshake introduction? <laughs> or would you rather fix the rat problem in the entire New York City? <laughs> 
Because it's a big problem. I don't know if you guys have seen the documentary Rats. Uh, oh my it's a gosh. huge health issue. It's a moral dilemma. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Okay, well, well, first of all, and now this is the part where you ask all the questions, right? Yeah, yeah. We got a debrief. <laughs> we got a debrief. So, if if you guys are new to the show at all, every Monday in the After Hours Club, which is my private Facebook group specifically for the audience, we all discuss what we would rather. So, Andrea, you might have to make an appearance if. If you guys haven't uh, joined the club, it's totally free. You can just go to thejoyjunkie.com slash club. It'll redirect you, and you can kind of share with us what you would rather. I think I think for me, all right, I think I would probably choose the humanitarian thing and do solve the rat problem because I can't imagine that an orgasm every time you shook somebody's hand – you could really like let yourself go. You know <laughs> It would be very socially awkward. <laughs> because you're also like usually introducing yourself at the same time. So you're shaking hands and then you're like eyes rolling back in your head. <laughs> you're totally ignoring what they just said. And then you're like, Can I have a cigarette? <laughs> And I guess I should add to that, like people wouldn't know that that's what happens. They would just be like, what is happening? I'll have what she's having, right? Well, okay. So then what about those situations though, when when you're meeting like four people all at once and you go around <laughs> shaking, <laughs> shaking everybody's hand? Thighs shaking. <laughs> and and then I would have to have Mr. Smith being say something like she actually has a really rare disorder that um, anytime she has human contact she tends to have these convulsions. Please just support. You know, like I'd have to have some sort of story. <laughs> Epilepsy or something like I, I don't know. What would I you would pick? Choose, I would choose the same thing. Like I'd fix the rat problem. Yeah, I can't say that it is. Is something that I know a lot about, but it seems as though it's pretty. It's a is that Crispin Glover that's in that movie, Rats? It's a documentary. I think it's um, oh, oh. a Vince Spurlock thing. I don't know. Right. I've just seen the trailer. I haven't even watched the whole thing, but it's. I, I saw a rat when I've been in New York City. <laughs> it ran across the sidewalk. Um, it was scared the crap out of me. Oh my gosh. It was big. It was like the size of Bianca. Oh my gosh. That's my that's my dog, by the way. Oh my that's nuts. That's like a rodent of unusual size. Wow. Okay. So why don't we talk about shit that matters then? Okay. Does that sound good? All right. So let me ask you, why the fuck do you write this book? I well, it's funny because when I wrote my first book, <clears throat> it's sort of like having a kid where you're like never again. It, it was too painful. The pregnancy was too hard. It's having a newborn and a toddler is too difficult. I, I don't. I know that's not everyone's experience. That was my experience, but I was like, no, I did end up having two children. But I did not think I'd write another book. And then what what they say and they being authors and writers say that we don't find books. Books find us. And I, again, it was one of those things where I just like, I kept seeing these same patterns over and over again in the women that I serve. And I had to write about it because I also kept saying, I felt like I kept repeating the same things over and over again. And the, when I would describe this to where the title came from, because people ask me that, like, why did you decide to, to call it that? Because these are the things that we do that we think are protecting us. But at the end of the day, they make us feel like shit. And that's what I kept saying. And then when my agent asked me like about the new book, I was like, and the title needs to be how to stop feeling like shit. Cause it really, 
I think that it's that thing. It's like this hamster wheel that we're all on. And I always like to say it works until it doesn't. That's a saying in the rooms of recovery for anyone out there listening who recognizes that these behaviors work for a little while and then they don't. And then it's at that point where I meet a lot of women and I'm sure you do too, where they're like, I don't, I am trying so hard. If I'm so smart, why isn't any of this working? Right. You know, it's the overachievers, it's the, the women who are on the outside have a very, they're strong women and they can't figure out what's going on and why they feel like shit. It's because of these behaviors. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I see that a lot consistently too. And that's, that's what we dig extremely deep into in the tribe. And I know you and I have talked about this a lot before. And for those of you who aren't familiar, even though I've been blabbing about the fucking tribe for like weeks on end, um, this is why I created that body of work. This is why you wrote that book, because we're kind of inundated with all of these messages around, if only you make six figures, if only you have the perfect body, if only you do X, Y, or Z, surely then you won't feel like shit anymore. Surely then you're going to be happy. And nobody wants to hear that it's actually about shifting your belief in yourself or your confidence or eliminating negative people or speaking up for yourself. And I will mention to you guys too, uh, I have started a a little list for anybody who's interested in the next round of the tribe that happens in January. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. Uh, you can always jump on that on at thejoyjunkie.com slash tribe. And uh, you'll be the first to hear about all of that. It won't happen until January. So that is why you need to pick up this book right now on pre-order so that you can start making some massive headway on uncovering some of this shit. And I want to I wanna ask you too, Andrea, what, what do you think the relevance is culturally and possibly even politically? Why do people need, women in particular, need to understand these concepts now? I think that, you know, it's the giant elephant in the room. Like, <laughs> In 20, starting in 2016, and, and more so, I think, in this year, there has been, call it an awakening, call it an energy rise, call it just, you know, rising up in general of women knowing that they, like, the time has come. The time has come for them to speak up. The time has come for them to step forward. The time has t- come for them to tell the truth and tell their stories and and as frustrating as it seems, I think for many of us, it's as if we've been finally given permission, like the, the dam has broken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like now more than ever, we need to push past these behaviors that we do and, and these core beliefs. I love that you mentioned the tribe, cause I know that you talk a lot about, and that's something I don't get into a lot into the book, but about these core beliefs, these stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. And sometimes core beliefs can be positive ones, but you know, we're mostly talking about like, you know, what are the core beliefs that you, the stories that you tell yourself that keep you down, that tell you that you can't speak out about this, that tell you, you can't tell your truth. I think now more than ever, we need tools to be able to do that because what this book is a lot too, is like coping skills. I was never handed these. They don't teach this in school. And we grow up just sort of figuring out what works to keep us quote unquote safe and 
socially, you know, like with the norms, that's where all of these behaviors come in. So I think now more than ever, this is needed. Like we need coping skills in order to be able to have great communication, to set boundaries, to, to really line ourselves up with what's important to us, not to our partners, not to the religion we grew up in, not to what we think is socially acceptable. So I I talk a lot about values too at the end of the book. And that's really what one of the solutions is. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. I remember having a conversation with my brother years ago and he asked me specifically point blank, what do you think the key to happiness is? He was kind of in a really dark place. And I said, I really believe that it is really understanding on a fundamental level what your core values are and living in accordance with them. And, you know, like distilling that down, that's why I'm so glad you cover this in the book. And we do this, we do a whole week on this in the tribe as well. The idea behind your values are, this is what matters to me. This is how I operate and thrive the best. So why not honor that? But we get so convoluted thinking we need to pursue the values of our partners, of our children, of our parents, of society, of all of that shit. And I think now, and I'm sure you would agree, now in our culture, more than ever, we're seeing kind of a a movement of women standing up going, no, no, I get to feel the way I do. I get to value what I value. I get to write the pages of this story how mm-hmm. I choose. And I think the more we can foster that amongst each other, the better. Yeah. And the thing about, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you, I just feel like if you're going to teach a personal development class, like you have to cover values. It's like a, it's a staple really. It's like potatoes, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) values, the potatoes of personal development. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Put a trademark on that. So I, I do, I just feel like it's so important because, and this isn't about, I didn't know this in the beginning. Like when we first learned about values, when we were in coach training, I don't know if this was you, but I, I thought it was like just naming them like, Oh, okay. You know, this sounds, sounds good. I've got my list of values. They are this, this, and this, but what I talk about is, and I know you do this too. It's like, that's like 5% of the work. What really matters is I want to know, like, what does that look like in your actual life? Like you say you have a value around authenticity. So what actually happens when somebody keeps doing something that you deem unacceptable in your life. Like, what are you going to do? Because that's like one of those instances where both outcomes are really uncomfortable. Like either we keep letting that person do that, or we honor our value of authenticity and we have a hard conversation with them. Both of those are uncomfortable. I think people have just gotten used to the former and yeah. doing that over and over again, again, as a way to try to protect themselves. And it never feels good. It Mm -mm. always ends up feeling like shit. So that's, yeah, I could go on and on. And values, I think, too, is like one of those things where people hear about it and they're like, values? Oh, don't we do that in corporate training? Like, it's kind of unsexy, but it's so important. So important. Yeah. They're like, well, can't you just tell my husband what he needs to do, right? Because if he would just do that, we would be happy. (laughs) But yeah, I completely agree with you. In fact, there is a there's a chronology in the tribe where we do values one week and then people are all like honesty, integrity, authenticity, being a straight shooter, you know, and they've named all their core values. And then the next week we talk about people pleasing. And so I'm like, so, so by the way, if you think 
you value honesty and you try to decline an invite saying, oh, no, I'm so sorry. I already have plans. And you don't. You're a fucking liar and you are not honoring your value around honesty. So I completely echo what you said about it's not about a list. It's not about these are these sound like things I want to honor and value. It's about how do you actually live in accordance with that? And that's what you talk about in the book, which I think is incredibly important. I've said a million times, you cannot read a book on Pilates and get rock and abs. It's the same the same is true for personal development. You could read Andrea's book and just go, oh, yeah, there's a lot of good ideas there. But you actually have to employ the tools that she's giving you. So come on, people. Anyway, I could get going on and on. So talk to me about two or three of those common habits that you discuss in the book. I think definitely for your audience, I know you have a lot of people pleasers. Mm-hmm. And I write about people pleasing and approval seeking. I, I have the opinion that not all not all approval seekers are people pleasers, but all people pleasers are approval seekers. I think that there are some people who have gotten to a point in their life where they feel okay saying no. They don't feel Mm -hmm. bad when they have to do that, but they still are looking for the approval from other people. So I I do distinguish the two. And I actually, there's a story in there about you that I, I asked you to contribute in that book about how you had to stand up for your mom. I'm sure you've told it on the podcast before. If you want to tell a story, that's great. But I just, I love that story. I think it's such a great example about stopping people pleasing and how that was so difficult for you, but necessary. I don't even remember what that was. (laughs) I'm sure it was brilliant. (laughs) No, it's okay. People ask me questions about the book and I'm like, "Uh, it was 61,000 words. Like, I'm not sure. (laughs) But no, it was about when you, when she was upset with you and making passive aggressive comments about how you weren't going to church anymore oh, and you yeah. weren't following the religion that you were raised in. And it was a disappointment to her yeah. and how you had to gain the courage and geared up for the conversation and just basically said, I don't need you to approve of me because I approve of me. Right. Right. Then that was, that's another really great point. I think about personal development. And I was actually having a conversation with somebody about this yesterday that sometimes we assume that when we choose us, that we are going to magically have no conflict. We're going to shit glitter, everything. Right. And I actually did a podcast on that, like the pain of personal development, because there was pain in having that conversation. I don't want to purposely inflict pain on somebody, right? I don't want my mom to be devastated, but I also recognize that that's not my that's not mine to control or to carry. That's hers to carry. Yeah. And if there are certain times when we can collaborate and come together with people in our lives and then there's others that it's either you get your way or I get my way. And in order for me to make her happy, I would have had to completely sacrifice all of myself. And it really came down to, okay, if I'm going to have to choose, I choose me. I choose Mm -hmm. me. In fact, we've talked a a few times before on the show about the top five regrets of the dying, right? And one of them is, I wish I would have lived my life according to what I wanted instead of what everybody else wanted. Like Mm -hmm. on our deathbed, we're not like, oh my God, I'm so glad that I never found out who I was. And I I killed myself to make everybody happy. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So people pleasing for sure. What else? People pleasing for sure. I think for your people, it might be that they really struggle with isolating and hiding out. Mm -hmm. So what that looks like is when things are hard in their life, 
instead of reaching out to someone they trust, they tell themselves things like, oh, they don't want to hear about my problems or I can, I can soldier through this on my own, or they might be too embarrassed or ashamed to share their stuff. They're not going to understand. So those types of things. And so, or they put it off and like, they, they'll be like, oh, I'll reach out to her next week. And then that ends up feeling like shit because you're not allowing anyone to help you. You're not allowing anyone to care about you and love you. And I think that there's so also, I think the media has kind of screwed us up with this. I think that the media has made us think that we need to have this group of like six to 10 girlfriends. And that's not the case. Of course, you can have that many girlfriends. But I'm talking about like what I like to call your compassionate witness. It's this person that you can tell your struggle to like the parts of you that you feel like are unlovable. You might have a core belief that that part of you is unlovable. These are the things that you share with people. And we tend to not do that. We retreat, we hide. And that also can cause resentment Mm -hmm. because it's like you want people to, in a perfect world, they could just read our mind (laughs) and know that we need help. Ugh. I love, I love that you talk about this in the book. We actually just talked about this last week on the show about one of the major consequences of this is lack of intimacy, right? Like, mm-hmm. because turning to people in your time of hardship is vulnerable, right? And so we're like, Ugh. and you and I have talked about this a lot over the last decade of our friendship, you know, in, um, breaking each other's walls down and dealing with other friendships or other relationships outside of it, outside of ourselves. And what that looks like to express to a friend, here's what I need from you, especially if your tendency is to isolate. And I know you and I've worked through that a lot where we just straight up say, here's what I, here's what I need. Please. Just the other day, you were like, I don't need advice. I just, that was last, yeah, that was last week. I just need to get this out. And I'm like, cool, mm-hmm. aptly noted. <laughs> here's a place for you to land. However, if we would be foster, that takes a lot of bravery on your behalf to go, okay, I'm not going to isolate. I'm not going to shut down. I'm actually going to give voice to this because when we get things out on paper or vocally, that's how it starts to loosen its grip of power around us. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, and and I think, I think that's a good point. I had forgotten about that. So it was, yeah, it was last week and it was, I was in a struggle and it was something that I hadn't, it was something particular that I had never shared with you. And, and it wasn't necessarily something I had not shared with you on purpose. It just was something that I think I had a subconscious core belief that I was embarrassed about. And what I think what tends to happen, at least this is my experience, is that when I let it kind of spin around in my mind, it takes up more space and takes up more space and gathers more energy. It's almost like, Mm -hmm. like a tornado. It just like spins and spins and becomes a much bigger force than it actually has to be. I'm not saying every experience like, like this is, but once I got it out and I think too, I just want to, clarify that you and I are in a place in our friendship where I could anticipate how you were going to react. Like you always would, you would have reacted wonderfully, but I, I knew if I didn't specify, you probably would have come back and given me a little bit of advice. And that is absolutely at that moment, not what I needed. Mm -hmm. And so I said it and I, and, and I, and you can be kind about it. I said, like, I'm not looking for advice or anything. I just need to, I just need to put this out and, and get it out. 
And I know, you know, we've nurtured this friendship and I, and it's, and I, for, for people that don't know me at all, like I've struggled with trust with everybody, like (laughs) everybody. It's been a journey trusting people and trusting you even, you know, like the most trustworthy person ever. And it's little moments like that. Those are these small moments of intimacy. And I, and I felt better afterward, especially the next day. Like I got it out. I had a headache that whole day, I'll be honest. And then the next day I was like, oh, wow, that is part of the healing process. It doesn't mean that that problem completely went away, but it was way less impactful because I shared it with someone who I deem as my compassionate witness. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's so similar to like, if, if you know, you need to throw up, but you just try to keep it down. If you just get it out, it's painful. It's uncomfortable. It's like, you know, but then you feel better. It's cathartic to remove it from your system. The same is true for our emotional selves, you know? And one of the things that I love so much about what you just said is that shit happened last week. And mm-hmm. you've written two fucking books in personal development. I, yeah. I want people to understand that when we say awareness is the win, we really mean it because it's not, it's <laughs> We're not, not kidding. <laughs> what happened in that moment is not that the pain was different or that the trigger was different. It was that your awareness around what was happening and how you chose to handle it was completely different. That's what this whole thing is. It's a different way to manage and uh, work through the shit that happens in our lives, you know? And that's the freedom, feeling mm-hmm. like you have control instead of feeling like life is just happening to you. Exactly. There's so much freedom and peace too. Absolutely. So talk to me about some of, uh, let's just do like one solution for maybe people pleasing or isolation that you talk about in the book. I think what I would want to tell people for people pleasing, and this is something I love to talk about because I, I, it's this piece of advice that floats around personal development that we see a lot. And that's the whole concept of not taking things personally. Mm-hmm. The whole quote of like, what people think of you is none of your business. And I'm like, yes. And I think that we as humans take things personally yeah. initially. And I think that Oh, guys, makes me crazy. So, I, I mean, a lot of people remember Don Miguel Ruiz or, or know of the book, The Four Agreements, and he talks about that, about not taking things personally. And we see it like on these like Instagram memes and everything. And I think that what happens to at least my audience, you know, these smart, high achieving women, they think that they need that it's black or white, you know, that they either take everything personally and like die in a crazy, fiery inferno, or they just let everything just like bounce right off of them. And they have this resilience that is like incredible. That can be, well, that's impossible for one. And and actually I, I read an interview with Don Miguel Ruiz and he said, you're going to take things personally. He said, but don't let it carry you away. And I was like, yes, that's what I've always thought. And I'm so glad to hear him say that, that it, it really is about having the feedback and just going like, oh, okay, that happened. And I am going to feel that. And if you need to reach out to somebody to talk to to them about it, great. But just know that it is not about you. Because when we make it all about us, when we take feedback personally, when we that's when we run around people pleasing, because we're so afraid of getting uh, of, of getting any kind of feedback that we don't want, then we 
freeze up and try to run around like crazy doing things for everybody else. And that never, ever feels good. That's right. And that's when we get stuck in that, that cycle of appeasement. Like the minute, what really is happening is Mm -hmm. you're feeling something that's uncomfortable and we've conditioned ourselves in our society, I believe, to just not feel right? So if you are experiencing something that's uncomfortable, our body's like, abort mission. Like someone's not happy with me. They don't like my choice. They don't like, what can I do? Let's immediately people please. So instead is what you're saying is this is what I'm interpreting you to say is to acknowledge the sting like, Ooh, that sucks. And yeah, I'm not going to take that. Give yourself the time to feel whatever you feel. And then do what you need to do to move on from it. That is, that is some, those are some tough lessons. I will say that it's not like a one, two, three done, you know, see you on Wednesday where it's going to be just all better. But again, it's about the awareness. Absolutely. And I will, I will tell you guys too, if you've been listening to a lot of this and you've gone like, yeah, I really need to dig so much deeper We talk about this a lot, a lot, a lot in the tribe and excavate what really causes us to create these people-pleasing behaviors or this isolation or all of the things that we turn to in order to feel better that ultimately has us feeling like shit. So again, if you're interested, you can get on that interest list. You'll find that in the show notes page. So I want to just ask you really quickly too, as we kind of wrap up, what do you want to leave people with? Like one piece of advice to jumpstart all of this if they're going, oh my God, that's me, that's me. <laughs> I think it really circles back to what I was saying in the beginning because I that's a lot of the feedback that I've been getting as people read the table of contents, as, as I tell people about even just a handful of the behaviors that I talk about of the book, they're like, oh, I need help with all of those. Like I, I kind of half joke that it's people's to-do list, right? You know, perfectionism, people pleasing, isolating, hiding out, numbing. But I think that I just want to reassure people that this isn't about making you feel worse about your issues. This is about like, cause the more, you know, the more power that you have, the more apt you are to choose ways of being that are more in alignment with your values, the more proud of yourself you are, the better you can communicate, the better relationships that you have, the better you can, you know, let go to these emotional attachments of outcomes and things like that. So it is, you you can't fix what you don't know is not working. I don't want to say broken because I don't like that word, but you can't fix what you don't know isn't working. So this is about knowing what isn't working so you can try to be a better human. Absolutely. It's like the, a lot of times I'll use the analogy of it's almost like you've had like maybe let's say a weird pain in your chest or a weird pain in your side and you've ignored it, ignored it, ignored it, but it is starting to make your life just a living hell. You can't operate well, whatever. It's like going to the doctor and getting that diagnosis and going, oh, that's the problem. And now we can progress with the healing Mm -hmm. process. That's like what these 14 habits are for you. Oh, no wonder I've been feeling like shit. Now I can start to heal. Now I can start to feel better. So I I really hope you guys all go pick up this book. It's going to be the best $12 you've ever spent. It's available for pre-sale now. You can find the link in the show notes page. I'll make sure that it takes you right over to Andrea's website. You guys, you get a shit ton of free bonuses if you opt to pre-sell. So you want to do this. You can also get additional extras 
if you purchase more than one. So if you've got friends' birthdays coming up or events that might be happening in the new year, the whole new year, new you, all of that, like let's make 2018 pretty memorable and let's do it by not feeling like shit. So please go go pick up multiple copies of this incredible book. Plus I'm featured in there. So <laughs> I know when you were like, uh, for your first book, like, I'm like, I'm not going to read it until it comes on audiobook. Like, I just don't read. I don't do that, right? I only listen to audiobooks. And you're like, you told me you were going to li- read my book. And I'm like, well, I read the parts I was featured in. <laughs> like looking at yourself in a picture of so, a group of people. No. And you're like, okay, I like it. <laughs> okay, you can post it. Both of her books, if you haven't gotten the first one, you should probably grab that one too because duh. And both of them are available on audiobook as well if you like to consume things in an audio medium like I do. And I can't thank you enough for coming to hang out. I am I'm so excited for this book to get into the hands of, of women who really need it. Thank you so much for having me and, and giving Mr. Smith a break so I could be here and, and – um and just get to serve your audience. And I'm just grateful for everybody's time today too. I know how precious everyone's time is. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. Such a great love fest. So if you want any information on anything else that we've talked about, whether it's After Hours, The Tribe, where you can get all these amazing book bonuses, all of that will be listed for you in the show notes page, or you can go to thejoyjunkie.com slash 232, and that will show you everything that you need. Usually you can find it on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever platform you're listening on as well. And I think that's everything. So we will see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life. Amy and Andrea out.